you're privileged to be a part of what's going on here at Zion Baptist Church in the day in which we live. What we're experiencing here is not going on everywhere. And I do not understand exactly why or how or, or even where that's supposed to go. I just know it's good and it gets gooder and gooder and gooder. Amen. And as we experience the Lord, well, He's holy. And His holiness then demands something. You remembered I said just a little bit earlier about Isaiah and how he went into the temple. And while he was in that temple, this is in Isaiah 6, uh, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And there was angelic beings surrounding the throne in the temple. And those angelic beings recognized God and then acknowledged God. And the Bible says that they did that by saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, that word holy is not something that we really understand today. You see, the word holy simply means separated. That God stands totally apart from and totally independent of His creation. It means that as He stands totally apart from and independent of, He's totally complete in that creation. And in that independence and in that separateness of God and in that completion of God, He is perfect in all of His ways. And when we see God for who He is, that He's holy, that He's all-powerful, that He's totally separate and apart from and greater than all of creation, then it demands a response from us. You see, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, Woe, woe, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among an unclean people. I don't have to convince anyone here this morning that we're a people of unclean lips that are living among an unclean people. Now, hopefully you're aware this morning that I'm not going to get to the message because I, I, I want to introduce this and I want to do it justice. And, and I just trust the Lord. He held us up this morning for a reason. But Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among an unclean people. And there was something then that he had to do. Well, the Bible says that he allowed this angel to, to take some tongs. And the angel went into the fire there in the temple and he pulled out a hot coal. And he took that hot coal and he touched the lips of Isaiah, it was a symbolism, a representation that Isaiah had recognized himself for who he is and he repented 
to God for who he is and trusted that only God could bring about the cleaning in his life that he needed. That was what those hot coals represented, that God was cleaning Isaiah, purifying Isaiah, that he was making and molding and shaping Isaiah into the person that God had wanted him to be. So step number one, the response to God's holiness is, is we see ourselves sinful and recognize only God can clean us up. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I do know what's going on in mine. I'm going to tell you what, in my own personal life this week, in my own family this week, I saw what sin can do in the life of a, a person and how when that sin takes root, then it spreads and, and other people then pay the consequences for that sin and it breaks the hearts of people and, and little even all the way down to little children have to pay the price for that sin. I don't need to convince anyone that all you have to do is go out from this church, get on P. Ridge Road, take a right and go out P. Ridge Road and you'll see enough hurt and enough sin and, and the consequences of what sin causes in the lives of people that none of us should be able to get over just the amount of hurt that we see on P. Ridge Road going out that road. I don't need to convince any of you. You all know that. It's in you that there's sin in the world and people desperately, desperately need to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there's no governmental policy going to change this world. There's no, listen, we got an election coming up here in just a year or so. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if a thousand people run. If it's the thousand of the best we got, there's not one of them can heal the damage, can meet the need, to the people of this country so that we can get a healing and really get what we need. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that and only uh, the people are only here about the Lord Jesus Christ as you and I identify one person that we take the gospel to, one individual at a time. You want to know how this little child that's out here on P. Ridge Road that did without a mama or daddy that was out drunk or drugged up last night or may have seen their mama get the full beat out of them because of the sin of the world last night? I'll tell you how. Introduce them to Jesus. Let the power of God work in them. There's no law going to be passed that's going to change the heart of men. Only the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're only going to hear about him as we take the gospel. You see, Isaiah said something like this. He recognized God. He saw him. He was holy. He saw himself for who he was, a sinner in need of a cleaning that he could not provide. He allowed God to do that. And then he said something like this. Here I am, God. Send me. You see, that was in response to God saying, who will go for me? Who will, who will carry my name? Uh, Isaiah, it's going to be dangerous. I want to tell you a little something about Isaiah. God told him at the very beginning of Isaiah's ministry, I was supposed to be in Matthew this morning. How in the world did I get in Isaiah? I don't have a clue. I got that thing memorized, though. You can read, you open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 6. I followed that thing sometimes just about word for word. He said, Isaiah, who's going to go for me? Isaiah said, here am I, send me. But listen what he said to Isaiah. He said, you're going to preach it, Isaiah. I, I mean, you're going to tell people, Isaiah. And I'm going to send you out all the land to the people of Israel, Isaiah. And nobody is going to hear what you say. You see, our success or failure does not depend on us. 
the success or failure is on him. All he simply asks is, like Isaiah, we answer, here am I, send me. So, P. Ridge Road, Henderson Mill Road, Highway 181, Morganton, Valdez, Drexel, the greater Burke County, the state of North Carolina, the United States of America, the world. There's people that need to hear. And listen, we're not in danger of running out of people to share the gospel with. Amen. There's plenty out there. There's enough for each of us. We can share and we're not going to run out. And the only hope the world has is if you and I take the gospel to them. That's it. That's the only hope. So, in response, Isaiah said, I'll go. Well, we've got this idea in America. You could say something like this. What's a Christian? And I bet if I were to take a poll of this room and I were to go to each person and I'd say, what is a Christian? I'd probably get about 150 different answers, really. But do you know the word Christian is only used two times in the New Testament? Only twice. But I think it's something like 281 times the word disciple is used. You see, because even though Isaiah lived about 700 years before the Lord Jesus, he was a disciple. What's a disciple? Well, a disciple is someone who, 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 who follows another person. They literally imitate the actions, the attitudes, the thought patterns of that other person so that after that period of discipleship is over and they, in a sense, reach maturity, if you were to look at the disciple and look at the teacher or the master, you would not be able to tell the difference between the two. They would look alike, they would act alike, they would think alike, they would talk alike, and all of that, one would look like the other. Okay, Jesus said what? I call you to be Christians. I dare you to find that in the Bible, anywhere. It's not in there. He said, I want you to make disciples. So what is a disciple? Looks like, acts like, walks like, talks like, thinks like the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what did the Lord Jesus come here to do? Well, the Bible says something like this. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if Jesus' mission on this earth was to seek and to save that which was lost, then if we're disciples, then our mission ought to be what? to seek and to save that which was lost. But then he goes on and he doesn't just say that. I mean, he really spells that thing out. He told a bunch of stories. There was this man and there was a pearl and he really wanted that pearl because it was of great value. And he was so wanted that pearl that he went and he sold everything that he had. I mean, he gave it all to find that pearl. And, well, that's a picture of what the Lord Jesus did for us, right? He laid it all on the line. He didn't hold anything back. I mean, I wonder, just stop and think about this. Disciple, the Lord Jesus, we look and act like him. Well, on the one hand, you got Jesus on the cross. And then on the other hand, you got us sometimes that don't even want to get off the couch. Ouch. Ouch. Well, there's another story about the, a sheep. There was 99 sheep. You know the story. And, and well, it was a hundred sheep, I guess. Yeah, there was a hundred. I can't even do math. That's modern day public education. No, I'm just kidding. There was a hundred sheep, and one of those sheep got to miss it. 
But Jesus thought so much of the sheep that he left the 99 and went out and found that sheep and brought that sheep back into the fold. That's a picture. Are we willing to leave all of that that we care about, all of that that's seemingly important to us, jobs, careers, families, friends, uh, social activities and all of that, uh, to go out and to find that one that's lost to bring that person back in to the sheepfold. Well, there's another story about this thing called the prodigal son. You know that story, the father, how he sat there and he waited and he never gave up and he always trusted that the son would return and no matter what, when the son finally did the return, the father said, hey, it's time to throw a party. I'm happy now. This, my son, who was dead, is now alive. He didn't go back and say, you idiot, you're down there in the hog pen and all this stuff. No, when the son came to his senses, when the son got right and said, hey, I'm, I'm going back to the father's house, he opened the doors and received him as, an, as a son. So what's that to say to us? Well, if we're disciples of Christ, we don't look at people's past. We don't compare our uh, how we're living to how they're living. We simply rejoice when that lost son comes to their senses and decides, hey, I've got to go back to the Father's house. So we received them in and we rejoiced. I guarantee you today that if there was a hundred people walked into this room, came down, gave their life to Christ, there'd be people sitting in their seat, never crack a smile, never praise God, and you'd act like nothing ever happened. Well, the Father throwed a party when the Son come home. And when I see people get saved, hey, I want to throw a party, I want to dance, I want to shout, uh, the kingdom of heaven is grown. But if we're really disciples, we will be just as happy when lost sinners come to salvation salvation as the father was well I could go on and on the fact of the matter is is are we going to be disciples or are we simply going to continue to sit on the sideline and be Christians used two times in the old uh, new testament the word disciple of 281 I think the weight is on the disciple part of following Christ not so much the name Christian. See, we can call ourselves Christian and really not do much of anything. But to be a disciple, we've got to take action to look and act like the Lord Jesus. Well, who's your one? Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. I didn't get to the message this morning, but oh, I don't want to let you leave Christian without challenging you to be a disciple. You see, the Great Commission is something like this. Jesus said, go, go, and tell. Now, it's more than that, but that's really what the Great Commission is. Go and tell. He said something like this, make disciples. That's our role. I don't know, maybe the Lord will come back before the sun goes down today. And you know what? I say, praise the Lord. He does. But maybe he won't. And there's somebody out there that desperately needs to hear about Jesus today, and they're not going to hear unless you tell them. I'm going to ask every person in the room at this time to simply bow your head. Right where you are. And here's what I'm going to do. Over the coming several weeks, I'm going to challenge you to identify one and then do whatever it takes to reach that one. Now, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I would not do, church, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you I've already identified my one. 
He lives on Pea Ridge Road. And I've had somebody tell me just in the last month, you'll never reach him. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's nobody God can't reach. He is going to be my one. Now, over the next several weeks, I'm going to identify this person to you because I need your prayers. It's not going to be easy. Hey, I may even get cussed a little bit, but that's all right. Jesus got crucified. So I'm going to ask you this morning, are you willing? Are you willing to be a disciple? disciple makes other disciples are you willing to identify that one over the coming weeks and then over however long it takes to do whatever is necessary to reach that one person now you may not even have the one but you see Jesus don't need uh, the best he don't, he, he don't need the person who's got all the talent he just needs the person that's willing this morning so I'm going to ask you to do something right now I'm going to ask you if you're willing, if you're willing to identify that one, to let the Holy Spirit of God lead you to that one and then do what's necessary to reach that one, I'm going to ask you right now, nobody looking around, simply to raise your hand and say, I'm willing to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hands going up all over the room. I'm willing, I'm willing to be that one that God uses to reach that one. You can put your hands down. God saw those hands. I'm going to ask you this morning, maybe the reason you're not a disciple, uh, making disciples is because you don't know what it's like to be a disciple. You have no clue what that means. You see, Jesus approached Peter and he approached Andrew and James and John and he said, hey, lay it all down and follow me. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never laid it all down and followed him. You've never by faith. Why this morning? Maybe Possibly that you don't have power to be a disciple of Christ is possibly because you don't have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure that you've got the power of God living in you, that you've been born again, that you've placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and let Him transform you, if you're not 100% sure of that this morning, I'm going to simply ask you right now if you'll raise your hand have the courage and conviction to say, Preacher, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. I've not identified. God's not done that in me, and, 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 and I want Him to this morning. I'm going to ask you by faith simply to raise your hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. Well, there's something you can do about it this morning. I'm going to share the gospel with you real, real quick. You're a sinner. And there's nothing you can do to solve that problem on your own. But God solved it for you. He paid the debt. And if you'll simply receive that gift of your debt being paid by faith of Jesus dying on the cross, the Bible says that he'll take up residence in your life and he will empower you to be a disciple and change the world. So those hands that were raised, I wouldn't do anything to embarrass you, but I want to tell you this. I believe I'd get saved today. 
I believe I'd, I'd, I'd receive Jesus Christ as Savior today and say from this day forward, God, I want you to use me. I want you to, uh, uh, to empower me. I, 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 I want to change the world, God, through your power. So all you need to do is step out in faith and say, God, I, I want to do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been following Jesus so far off and you ain't in the game, getting the game today. This ain't going on everywhere. Be thankful and be a part of it. And I'm going to continue to challenge you. You can run me off, but until you do, I'm going to challenge you to be a disciple that makes other disciples. Let's close in prayer. All hearts and minds clear. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. We thank you that you're still growing the church. Father, I thank you for Calvin, Misty, and this family. And God, I pray that you'd strengthen that home, that, Father, you'd bless them in all ways, financially, emotionally, relationally, but, God, most of all, spiritually. Use them as a light to draw others to Jesus. And then, Father, as we continue this Who's Your One campaign, God, I want to give it my all. But Father, I need your power. So Lord, I pray that you'd bless so everyone here would see the need to reach that one, that the world would be changed. Father, there was some this morning that did not raise their hand. God, I pray that they can't sleep. I pray that they can't eat. I pray, Father, that they can't even sit down in peace until they make that commitment to be a disciple that makes other disciples for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.